This archival program of Design Matters with Debbie Millman was produced for Voice America Internet Radio. New programs with better audio quality are now being produced for Design Observer. You can subscribe in the iTunes Store or at the Observer Media Channel on Design Observer. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman, the show that takes you inside the provocative and stimulating world of design and branding as it intersects with contemporary culture. Here's your host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. I often say that there are only three things that I know. I know what I know. I know that I'm a woman, that I'm left-handed, and that I'm clumsy. I also know what I don't know. I know I can't speak a foreign language. I will never be a brain surgeon, and I know that I will never play piano like Glenn Gould. But what keeps me up late at night and constantly gives me reason to fret is this. I don't know what I don't know. This makes me very uncomfortable. I find that the only way to find out what I don't know is for someone to tell me or teach me or show me and then open my eyes to this bit of information that I, sadly, never before considered. Afterward, I find something odd happens. I find that what I've just learned is suddenly everywhere. It's on billboards or in the newspaper or smack right in front of me, and I can't help but shake my head and speculate as to how and why I never saw this particular thing before. And I begin to wonder if I would be any different or any smarter or any more interesting had I discovered it when everyone else in the world first found out about this particularly obvious thing. Paris Hilton is a good example of this. One day, some years ago, I, a friend of mine asked me what I thought of the Paris Hilton situation. And I assumed they meant the Paris Hilton, also known as the Hilton Hotel in Paris. At the time, I was embarrassed that I had no idea what was going on. It seemed so important, and I pretended that I did. I said, oh yes, the Paris Hilton situation. I lied. Wow, I replied. Can you believe it? I thought maybe the Paris Hilton Hotel was on fire. I went to CNN.com to inquire and found nothing. Then I did a Google on Paris Hilton and discovered a strange blonde woman with weirdly droopy eyes featured in a bizarre sex video, and from that day on, she has tormented me. She is everywhere. Serves me right for lying. I've been thinking a lot about these first discoveries and also chance encounters, those elusive mysteries that often lead to defining moments in our lives. What if, that one, what if one of those defining experiences never occurred? What if something wonderful, something we have come to depend on, that serendipitous bit of luck that provided us with a big break or a big deal or the big time, what if it never happened? One of those... If I hadn't been eating a gigantic McDonald's breakfast on the 7 a.m. flight to Vancouver in the middle seat, I wouldn't have apologized to the beautiful, elegant woman sitting next to me on the plane, and we wouldn't have started talking, and I wouldn't have found out she was an important editor of a cool design magazine, and we wouldn't have become friends, and so on and so on type of moment. I call this six degrees of navigation the quintessential experience of, if that didn't happen, then that wouldn't have happened, and then that wouldn't have happened, and we wouldn't have ended up right here, right now, in this way. 
On the other hand, what if we could turn back time and eliminate the bad haircut, the bad interview, the bad fight, the bad boy? Would we simply do what Freud suggested and inevitably recreate the previous traumatic experience in a fruitless attempt to symbolically alter the original course? Sort of. Well, it didn't work in Vietnam, but hell, why not try it in Iraq sort of thing? Would we end up with the same anguished longing as Clementine and Joel in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I'm not sure. I think the reason we recreate experiences and try to symbolically alter an original course is because we regret what that experience did to us. That particular defining moment was not as fortuitous, say, as sitting next to a cool editor on an airplane. It's more of a, well, if it wasn't treated badly then, that it wouldn't feel so worthless now, and I wouldn't be broke and unemployed and hopeless. It becomes a wish to counter history, to counter how we've ended up. Ben Franklin said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. But I fundamentally disagree with him. I think that doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results is the definition of hope. We might keep making mistakes, but the struggle gives us a sense of empathy and connectivity we would not experience otherwise. And I believe that this empathy improves the ability to see the unseen and to better know the unknown. Lives are made by chance encounters and discovering things we didn't know that we don't know. The arc of a life is a circuitous one. You never know who you may sit next to on an airplane. In the grand scheme of things, everything we do is an experiment, the outcome of which is unknown. You never know when a typical life will be anything but, and you won't know if you are rewriting history or rewriting the future until the writing is complete. This, and just this, I am comfortable not knowing. Welcome to Design Matters with Debbie Millman. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is Zay Frank. Before we get started with our interview, please let me tell you just a little bit more about him. Zay Frank is an online performance artist, a composer, a humorist, and a public speaker. He's based in Brooklyn, New York. In 2001, Frank created an online birthday invitation called How to Dance Properly and sent it to 17 of his closest friends. Forwarded wildly, the invitation soon generated millions of hits and over 100 gigabytes of daily web traffic to Frank's personal website. Zay's site grew to include interactive group projects, short film animations, video games, many flash-based, including children's educational videos featuring handy tips such as Don't Vacuum Your Face, one of my personal favorites. Frank won a 2002 Webby Award for Best Personal Website and was featured in Time Magazine's 50 Coolest Websites in 2005. In March of 2006, March 17, 2006, Zay Frank launched a daily video blog known simply as The Show with Zay Frank. Each tightly edited three to five minute episode com episodes combined daily show style commentary on world events with songs, observations, games, and challenges for his views to participate. And the show has quickly become one of the most popular websites online and the most popular portion of his site. Welcome, Zay. Thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So the first question I want to ask you is this. How do you think your life would be? What do you think your life would be like if you hadn't created the How to Dance Properly video? 
<laughs> had to ask it. Uh, yeah, I don't. Well, I, you know, before I even uh, answer that, you know, your 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 monologue there in the beginning reminded me of a great Lily Tomlin quote, which goes, "Thank you. Uh, <laughs> don't be afraid of missing opportunities. Behind every failure is an opportunity somebody wishes they had missed." <laughs> I always, always like that. Well, um, Lily Tomlin's one of my heroes, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean. You know, sort of as you pointed out, it's it's almost impossible to try to imagine that. I mean, I uh, I, I certainly was struggling um, around that time when when this this kind of strange uh, event happened was to, to to find some kind of you know industry that I could be a part of and actually be be sort of satisfied. And at that time, I was working in design and advertising for a, an offshoot of Felix Dennis's empire called Dennis Interactive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it just, I had right before that been in a, in a rock band and had been touring around, and, and that kind of um, <laughs> adjustment was fairly shocking, uh, the regularity of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was certainly kind of, uh, I, I was unhappy, I would say, and that probably led me to, you know, embrace this thing uh, to the extent that I did. And uh, you know, I, I really, really have no idea uh, what I'd be doing. And so you had absolutely no idea that this thing would be. You didn't say any of your friends forward this to ten of your friends. Let's see how this if this could go viral. It was just completely kismet. Yeah. Um, the, you know, it, it, it really, I mean, it was a birthday invitation, you know, uh, and, and I, I certainly not thought that it was going to go uh, viral, and I, I really don't think that you can expect such things. Um, I guess you can hope for them, but in that case, I, I hadn't. Uh, so it was, I mean, it was a, it was a complete shock, and, uh, and, a, and a very kind of exciting one. Yeah, say. certainly. Probably, I would say the most defining moment in your life to date. Um, you know, I have to say, birth might trump that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was. I mean, you know, career-wise, absolutely. Um, it, it, it was, and, and you know, it just—it's it, such a bizarre uh, look into something that's just you know very very unusual and also you know something that defines uh, this sort of modern connectivity and, and getting all this email from from all corners of the world and kind of seeing the similarity in language that came in uh, it was you know it was it was just a, such, a, such a such a strange thing now in an article that I read about you you stated that anxiety motivates you is that still true well, I think that, you know, when, when I said that, and yes, uh, I, I would say that anxiety is still a, a major motivating factor for me. And I think, it, I mean, it's motivating on a, on a, in a couple different ways. One is um, it's almost as though I, I kind of get confidence from anxiety. So, in other words, I think that a lot of the topics that interest me, or, or maybe I should flip it around and say that, um, I kind of get confidence that certain topics are interesting because they provoke anxiety in me, and mm-hmm. and the kind of notion is that there's you know there's there's certain kind of hot spots that uh, unite us all, and um, you know if you if you I mean maybe maybe you can just broaden it out to emotion generally, but for me anxiety is the most interesting, um, and if you can kind of identify those little 
spots in your personal, you know, daily interactions, you know, strange moments where you open the door and somebody doesn't say thank you or um, all the all this kind of stuff. I think that you know, there's there's a lot of keys to sort of university university out university 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 that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. Should, we should probably start making a list of all the possible ways you can pronounce that word. <laughs> well, I, I want to continue with this. We have to take our first break, so I'd like to let everybody know that they are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is performance artist, composer, humorist, and designer, Zay Frank. We'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. Stock, mortgage, retirement, wealth. We cover it all. Voice America Business. Welcome to Voices of Design, brought to you by Adobe, where creative professionals speak out about their work and what inspires them. Big Magazine started out as an experiment. It's now an award-winning publication with an international reputation. At its helm is Marcelo Juneman. Marcelo, how is this magazine different? Every issue has script, idea, director, actors, photographers. And we change talent and concept every time. So it's like producing six or eight movies a year. The basic idea is, sounds quite Silly, but I want to create the best magazine in the world. Well, it was like 14 years ago. Yeah, we started in Madrid. The level and the quality was very bad, and I wanted to create something top quality in the world. It's on photography and design. I didn't have any idea, any, any experience at all, so I've been learning doing it for the past 14 years. You've been listening to Voices of Design, brought to you by Adobe. Coming up in the next break, Marcelo talks about the Lauren Hutton issue. My tooth fell out. The coach says I can play shortstop. I get to be a deciduous tree. You live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Welcome back. It is 3.17 Eastern Time, and you're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is performance artist, composer, humorist, and designer, Zay Frank. If you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a question for Zay, our phone lines are open. Please call 1-866-472-5790. And we do have a caller on the line, Gregory from New York. Thank you for calling Design Matters. Hey, Debbie. Hi. Hi, Hi Zay. Hey, Gregory. Um, I'm curious, when you're growing up, what did you want to do, or what did you end up studying in school? Oh, boy, those are two different questions. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I think, you know, I, growing up, I think I just, I, I really wanted to find one thing that I was just naturally good at. Unfortunately, that never panned out for me. Um, I ended up 
uh, I, I went to Brown uh, University and started by, uh, you know, doing the worst possible combination of things, which was, uh, you know, just casting lines in a whole bunch of different directions that I that I thought were cool. Um, you know, that involved uh, comparative literature and religious studies and um, uh, classics. And I, I found myself in rooms with people who were uh, saying words I'd never heard of. And uh, so I actually I turned to neuroscience um, it, probably, I guess, the, the end of my sophomore year, uh, and I think, you know, par- partially maybe as 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 some, some sort of a, a comfort blanket, just because the, the the questions asked there were solvable. You know, you could you could study, and uh, and if you knew it, you could get it right. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was I think it was an early castration of of creativity uh, to some degree. But on the other hand, it really. Um, you know, it ended up being a really, really great thing because uh, I think, in the end, it was it was sort of a series of lessons on how to become interested in something. And <laughs> you know, neuroscience in the end is is, is incredibly interesting, uh, and it becomes the most interesting when you sort of begin to apply creativity back to it, uh, which is sort of you know ruminating and, and creating bizarre theories that can be tested and, and having the kind of guts to go ahead and try to connect a whole bunch of dots, which, you know, m- more than likely uh, are not connectable. Um, but, uh, yeah. And what did you do when you got out of school? What, what kind of work did you do? Well, for, for about a, almost a year, I continued work at the lab there, uh, because I had to, I was sort of finishing up research on a paper uh, to be published, and, and at the time the, the idea was that I was going to kind of continue there um, towards a PhD. And uh, in the middle of it, the band that I was in, uh, a, a sort of a, a three-piece rock band, uh, I guess decided to, to make a go of it. So at that point, I left and I moved to New York, and uh, you know we, we toured around for about four years. Wow. Right. It could have been worse. You could have thought that you needed to go into a theater department. So you're lucky. I'm glad you you, you went where you went. I think we're getting a, a little peek into Gregory's life. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thanks Thank for you. calling, Gregory. Zay, we have another question, and then we'll go back to some of the questions I have. We have Jen, also from New York. Thank you for calling Design Matters. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Zay. Hi. Well, Debbie, I love the concept of six degrees of navigation. That's <laughs> terrific. Um, and I have a question for Dave. Um, I'm a huge fan of the show. It makes me laugh every single day. But one thing I can't figure out is, what's wrong with ducks? What's wrong with ducks? What's so bad about them? Oh, when did you when did you ever get that impression? <laughs> Maybe from the uh, video outside where the garbage was running away from them. Oh, well, I'm a big fan of the duck. Um <laughs> Well, but in, you know, in certain situations, ducks can be vicious. I mean, that's you know where all these urban myths come from. The vicious duck, when cornered, attacks. <laughs> Probably heard that line, and that comes from Shakespeare originally. But uh, you know, I think that you can embrace a dangerous animal, an enigmatic animal, just as well as you can uh, something cute like a lizard or uh, you know that that whole genus, I suppose. I, I hope that answered your question. Of course, sure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for calling. Um, so, Zay, you started the show on March 17, 2006. 
and you've done one every business day for the last year, and you're going to stop doing the show on March 17, 2007. So two questions. What, what motivated you to start the show, and why are you stopping it? Uh, well, the show, I mean, let's see. Okay, so first, uh, a, a little disclaimer. I I have taken a couple business days off, <gasps> and and it was you know it was this this was not uh, meant to be some sort of a endurance challenge, um, <laughs> which you know I, I I think some people sort of uh, get that out of it. David like, Blaine, uh, watch out! Yeah. Uh, right. Um, no, the show was. I mean, it, it started because you know, one, I had a, a, a real interest in in this sort of emerging world of video online, and specifically um, how some of the you know some of the lessons that I'd learned and, and some of the you know interesting stuff that that I played with uh, on ZayFrank.com um, in the previous five years would apply to um, you know that that kind of pursuit. So. I think that you know entertainment and this this kind of media has uh, you know come into the on, uh, online world and uh, you know can take advantage of two different sort of aspects of the online world. One is the syndication and distribution opportunities, which are you know, pretty incredible. You can, for very low cost, you can create something that can be viewed by a lot of people. But there's this other side of it, which is this conversational uh, element, which is you know there's a, with the with a lot of these. Uh, tools, the, the price of the tools, uh, creation tools dropping. There's just a lot of people who are really interested in getting into and participating in uh, the creation of media. So uh, this kind of conversational um, aspect of online video really interested me and, and how you know you could get other you know, the, the, the audience of the program into the conversation and uh, facilitate some of that the creation. And all of this done within this incredibly rapid fire way. You know, that's that's another thing that's so sort of remarkable about this is that the feedback is so immediate. And uh, you know, I, I was really particularly interested in this idea of how this time compression affects the production mm -hmm. of uh, of this kind of stuff. You know, like I mean, this is it's it's a it's, it's a very very different kind of creative process. Uh, to do to do this kind of thing, especially by yourself. So you do um, the entire show by yourself. Yeah, the production of the the, the video, the editing, putting it online. Uh, there's a, a, a remarkable um, guy that helps me uh, with the uh, some of the underlying technology of the site. For example, the ORG um, things like uh, the. Uh, uh, if the Earth were a sandwich, location finder, and, and, and things like that. Right, but, which I want to talk about after after the next break. I have a couple more questions before that that I want to get to. But you, you, you asked about the end. Would you like me to continue? Yeah, that or, yeah, or I definitely want to know. As, no, 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 no. We have plenty of time. Uh, <laughs> the the end of the show is, you know, I mean, one thing is that it it it, it began with this notion. That uh, that it would end after a year, and uh, I, in the beginning, not not really knowing what direction this whole thing would take, I uh, really wanted to have a project that had a definable end. Uh, in, in 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 the online world, very few things do, and I think that there's you know a lot of things sort of drift into obscurity slowly, uh, not being able to kind of keep up with the rapid. Change, and I think that having a defined end really gives a lot of uh, 
gives the project a lot of interesting sort of opportunities, uh, especially when when the, the audience is is so sort of enmeshed in in, in the uh, in the show itself, and it kind of you know uh, it it creates a sort of defined space um, emotionally and and participation wise. Another thing is uh, realistically. Uh, that you know this 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 kind of format, which is in a, in a way formatless, change, you know changes so much uh, over time that you know I don't I don't think that the show will be the same. I mean I know that the show won't be the same uh, at the end uh, than it was at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So a clean break uh, allows for some opportunities where you know I can uh, I think all of us can kind of like step back and uh, and really focus on the on the good things that have come out of it and, and try to create some new, thing, new stuff. Well, let's talk about some of the good things. I know that you recently started your own social network, and I think last count you had over 13,000 members or sports racers, as you call them. So what made you decide to start a network? Well, that, that actually came out of a, uh, a user request probably six months ago. Um, where somebody had sort of suggested that uh, that you know we create some kind of a place where uh, sports racers can meet uh, in, in the real world, and I think I think that they actually said make out. Um, mm. And so <laughs> a lot the, of hookups uh, in the network. <laughs> the, right. I, you know, the response was uh, amazingly. There's you know when, when people meet in the real world, there's other things that they can do right. uh, besides that. But uh, yeah, that I mean, it, it, it's sort of uh, over time. You know, the, the, this uh, a, a genius that sort of works with me um, developed this this kind of a space, and 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 really was sort of thinking about it from the perspective of uh, a very highly energized audience that uh, you know was making media, sharing media, and using media as a way to uh, connect with other people in a kind of a very local, tight knit way. And so that's really uh, that's really w- w- where it is. Um, today we have a, another caller on the phone, which I'd like to take um, before we go to break. So we have Isabel. Isabel, thank you for calling Design Matters. Hi, thank you, Debbie. Hi, Zay. Um, Hi, Isabel. There's a bit of a controversy going about on the net about your blinking. I've noticed in your shows you never ever blink. Why or how's that possible even? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, it, to be fair, I, there, there's plenty of episodes where I do blink. The, well, Zay, yeah. actually, I have to say, only up until about the beginning of April. After that, April 2006, April 10th, something happened between April 10th and April 11th, I noticed, where you did indeed stop blinking. We can't find yeah. a blink post-April 10th. Right. Um <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm glad that the discussion of my show is condensed to this particular question. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, you know, I, I, I wish that it was based on sort of some kind of uh, neuropsychology uh, evidence that you know you can capture people's attention more with that kind of thing. But the, the reality is, is that it has come out of uh, a sort of necessity in editing. I, because I'm not working off of a script and I'm not working off of anything really memorized, uh, it sort of goes line by line. What you're seeing is uh, is intense concentration, <laughs> uh, which which I don't know how it's wired, but I I, I think that my uh, eyelids and my brain are somehow uh, connected in a way where they have to stay open while I'm while I'm concentrating, and uh, and that's it. Okay. Um, 
Thank you for calling, Isabel. You asked sure, a question, actually, you. that was on my list that I wanted <laughs> to get to, but uh, <laughs> you got there first. Um, it's really interesting, Zay, the rabid attention that your fans pay to your every move, and it seems like um, they're really um, quite attentive about everything that you say and do and all your little mannerisms and, and, and so forth. And I want to talk ever so slightly more about that after our break, but we do have to go to another commercial break, so I'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is performance artist, composer, humorist, designer, and non-blinker, Zay Frank. We will be right back with our broadcast after these messages, so please don't go away. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. Welcome back to Voices of Design. We're speaking with Marcelo Junman of Big Magazine. Marcelo, tell us about the Lauren Hutton issue. Basically, Lauren gave us the, the key of her apartment and said, here's my life. So it's very, very, very personal. We even did some nudes at 61 years old. And what did she think of the issue? Well, at the beginning, she didn't didn't get it so much what we were doing, you know. So she was okay, blah blah blah. It wasn't until she started start seeing the real stuff that she was very excited. She even said it's the first time that the final product is better than the original idea. You know, she's very very happy with how everything worked out, from the contents to the design to the quality to everything. She's very excited. You've been listening to Voices of Design, brought to you by Adobe. Coming up in the next break, Marcelo tells us how he comes up with the themes for each issue. 200 years ago, Lewis and Clark discovered the West. That is, if you don't count the millions of American Indians who discovered it first. Because Lewis and Clark left one civilization only to find dozens of others that, despite everything, are still here today. Walk with Lewis and Clark at lewisandclark200.org and see what you discover, because their trail winds through us all. This is a public service message of the National Council of the Lewis and Clark Bicentennial, the Missouri Historical Society, and the Head Council. The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. Hi, from the Empire State Building, you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is performance artist, composer, humorist, and designer, Zay Frank. If you want to join our conversation, if you have a question for Zay, please call 1-866-472-5790. And before the break, we were talking, actually we had a caller that asked Zay about his blinking or non-blinking on the show, and we were talking about how these, uh, during the break, Zay and I were talking about the little idiosyncrasies that then become to, then come to define what the show is to certain people or how they would describe it. So Zay, let's talk a little bit about your future. I, I read a piece, I believe, in the New York Observer just in the last couple of days about you having a, a visit with Jeffrey Katzenberg in Hollywood and the big plans that the big wigs have for you. Can you, can you share anything about what's going on or what's going to be happening? Well, you know, um, I mean, first off, I, I, I'd say that the article 
uh, I think came in a, a little bit strong. I, I sort of felt like there was a there was a story there that had been written before you know I was even interviewed, which was you know to some extent wide-eyed boy goes to big city. Um, I, I you know the my interest in Hollywood uh, and and Hollywood's interest. In me, I don't know, you know, if, if they match up perfectly. Uh, my personal interest is, you know, uh, as I said before, there's sort of this, there's this two, there's this kind of two-pronged way that, that media sits uh, online. And one, this syndication distribution uh, aspect of it really points towards, you know, making making content that's that's parceled with its own context, you know, just a real entertainment value so that it can be viewed and watched anywhere. And, you know, in, in, in that sense, it becomes an entertainment challenge. And, uh, in, you know, I mean, the bottom line is the, the, the best people in the world uh, at entertainment are in Hollywood. Uh, you know, that's, that's where all the young, aspiring writers go. That's where uh, people who have sort of told stories for decades uh, end up. And so I'm just I'm really interested in in meeting, collaborating with people that are very good at telling stories because it's something that you know I, I certainly have a lot uh, to learn about. Um, I think that you know Hollywood's interest, on the other hand, is specifically about trying to figure out how to to master the online world and you know extract value from it and and sort of uh, make sure that they're on the cutting edge uh, of the game. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's sort of a it's it's almost like a little bit of a trade, uh, in a way. And we'll see. You know, obviously it's a very very it's a very difficult town. Uh, the that industry is incredibly uh, difficult to navigate. But uh, there's there's certainly a lot of really interesting um, and talented people out there. Uh, I have no plans to move out there. Uh, I'd certainly work out there on, on projects. And I'm I'm I think I'm most interested. On the, on the sort of narrative storytelling front, in, in writing something a little bit larger, and I think, you know, partially that I have to I have to learn a little bit more about structure. Um, but I, you know, I, I also have been working alone for a long time, and I'm uh, I'm really excited to to bounce ideas off of other people. Do you foresee the possibility of doing work offline or live? Um, I yeah I I. I I would say that uh, the work comes first. So, in other words, the, the making of the work uh, comes first. It's, it's less important to me where stuff gets shown. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say that you know I think that my my efforts are kind of going to be divided necessarily, and, and you know a, a good portion of my life is going to be spent online. And I just you know I, I I think that the challenges are very different there. And writing a longer piece of narrative, a story, and things like that might not. Uh, stood as well online. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's certainly there's certainly going to you know be, be rooms for room for for exploring both. But I'm I, you know I really want to stay in in the online world as long as I can manage it. But uh, you know, in, in in online years, I'm I'm getting pretty ancient. <laughs> Tell me about your song "Pump That Area," which is a, a line that was also quoted in um, in this in this article in the Observer. Tell what what is what is "Pump That Area"? Well, that that song. I mean, that song is part of the uh, of the September 11th tribute. Yes. Uh, so, really, uh, I had already done my my sort of narrative piece on September 11th. 
uh, before that. And and in, in a way, it was you know a little bit of a reaction to the amount of uh, amount of stuff that was going on on that particular day. I certainly didn't feel like I needed to add anything to it, um, re- reflection-wise. I mean, people were sort of bombarded with it. Uh, so, it, you know, that that song was kind of like a media reaction to that, and and um, for me, you know, a way to a way to sort of pay tribute to the day, but also. Um, you know, remind myself that uh, I, I think that September 11th, in a way, is a very personal event uh, for, for a lot of people, and certainly for me. And at that point, I was—I think I was very angry that uh, the president had sort of co-opted um, the September 11th and the memory of September 11th uh, as a way to try to drum up more support for the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so it was more of an abstract kind of piece in that sense. But pump that area, I had come across that phrase the day before when uh, my agent to be had used it in a in a sort of a, a stream of consciousness, and a, the, the the phrase itself, outside of that context, kind of stuck with me. So it's a, it's become a zayism, I think. Um, now you do a lot of work with music in your show, and I know that you were in a band called Dowdy Smack. What was what did you do in the band? Were you the lead singer or did you play an instrument or both? Yeah, I sang and played guitar. There were only three of us, so we all had to sort of multitask. And um, why did you break up? Why or when? Why? Well, both. Why and when? Well, I think, you know, uh, what we, we broke up, I guess, in, oh boy, 98 or 97, I'm not sure. Uh, How long have you been that. together? I, you know, that that life is, I mean, I, I have enormous respect for people that make that uh, their careers. It is a very, very difficult business, and you're constantly surrounded by it, uh, some pretty shady people. Um, the, uh, the I, I mean, the, the reason that we broke up I think we ended up having very different ideas about where, uh, uh, you know, where where we should be going, and the pace at which you know we, we would want to move. And I think you know, after living together for that amount of time, we were also just edge all the time. Now, I, I, interesting that you were in a in a band because I read that you actually don't listen to music very much, and it, or you didn't when when uh, this the, the piece that I read about you came out. Is that still true? Do you not listen to music very much? I don't. Um, you know, I, I think that comes. I think that comes from the fact that I, I, I'm like I get so absorbed when I listen to music. I just uh, and it's actually the same thing with watching television and movies. I, you know, I'm that idiot that mouths the words along with the character, even when I don't know what the words are. You know? <laughs> I, I, I sort of become so deeply uh, affected by this stuff. I mean, so. I, you know the, the idea of working to music, and, and that's really you know, the, 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 the biggest opportunity for me to listen to music is when I'm working. But uh, I, I just can't imagine uh, doing that. Mm. It would be way, way too distracting. Now, you had a beginning. Your beginning of your design career was as an art director um, at Dennis Interactive, and. Um, I, I noticed on your website that you wrote um, in what you do for money, in the what you do for money section of your website, you, you wrote that you created a website for a deodorant and you stated that there was no true innovation in the deodorant aisle and that seemed to be something that 
dismayed you. Um, while you were working on that project, did you uncover or come up with any of your own deodorant innovations? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, I certainly didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I, you know, I am, I am amazed at the, uh, the these body sprays. Uh-huh. I think that's, I think that's, you know, pretty, pretty outrageous, uh, pretty incredible, and, and you know, until they become edible. In some kind of a way, like McDonald's. <laughs> you know, like if we can only use that sort of poor penetrating power of McDonald's for good, uh-huh. um, then I think we're on to something. And I read that while you were doing this work um, uh, as a, a web designer, that you, you felt that you created a lot of masturbatory flash sites. And I was wondering if you could tell us what you meant by masturbatory flash, flash sites. <laughs> well, for, for those of you in the listening audience that don't know what masturbation is, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, there was there was that amazing time, you know, this sort of, sort of uh, between like maybe '97 and uh, and 2001, maybe even even going further, but the, where you know you if 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 you got a design job uh, in in, uh, in online, you would first try to pressure the client into creating an all flash website. And then you would start sort of uh, needling them to allow you to create transitions. So, you know, every single, uh, you know, possible designed object could not escape being animated to some other position on the, on the, on the page. And so you know, navigating this stuff for content became almost impossible. You know, it, it, each piece sort of became uh, some kind of a portfolio piece for, for the, the animator or the designer. And that's, I certainly fell trapped. Uh, I, I, I fell victim to that. And did you stop doing that kind of work prior to starting the Zay Frank show? Are you still doing any kind of web work or design work? Now the show, the show just eats up all my all my uh, efforts. You know, I mean, I I kept on doing uh, client work uh, probably through 2004, mm-hmm. um, and it became sort of increasingly more. Uh, simplified and, and, and sort of um, direct. Uh, the, the, the kind of fun, fun glitzy stuff I, I reserved for the website, but even there I became much more focused on really, really simple interaction uh, that, that sort of gave you a very quick and satisfying result instead of this, this sort of longer drawn-out stuff. Now, I noticed on, on your website, and I don't know if these resolutions were actually recently written in 2006 to apply to 2007 or if they were written in 2005 to apply to 2006, but either way, I found them interesting. There were two resolutions that I thought were interesting, um, and you said the first one that I, I wanted to ask you about was um, to use the color green, which I thought was interesting, and I was wondering if you made good on that. But then the other one was, I promise not to keep ideas in my head unfulfilled and full of promise, not to let these vague outlines of future actions give me false confidence and security in the abstract. Instead, I will execute them quickly and faithfully so I, so that I am again on the brink of the unknown, hoping that these ideas were not the last that would ever come to me from God knows where. And I just wanted to know if you, if you, if you, if you wrote them last year, if you'd kept them in 2006 or why you wrote them this year. For resolution in 2007, uh, I, I wrote them last year. Uh, I, I really, you know, I, I, I struggled and maybe made one really lame attempt at using the color green. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's, you know, I just, I can't work with it for some reason. Um, 
but uh, the 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 ORG is full of green. Um, mm-hmm. But that that's what uh, um, was not was not uh, by my choice. Um, the uh, the second one, uh, you know that that was. Yes, I, I would say that that's partially an impetus for the show, uh, mm-hmm. that, that resolution. And I did an episode on it a while back called Brain Crack. And mm-hmm. the notion is, is that, uh, somebody had written, you know, something to the effect of, uh, you know, how, how do you not run out of ideas? And the response was, if you don't, you know, the easiest way not to run out of ideas is never to execute any of them. <laughs> and the, I mean, the logic is that, you know, I think that all of us kind of fall prey to this, and we have certain ideas that, that, you know, we we really get attached to, and we sort of convince ourselves that we don't have enough time to execute them, or, you know, just with a little bit more training in some kind of an area or more resources, you know, they could come out as these jewels. Uh, And, you know, these, these sort of things operate in a kind of drug way. You know, you sort of fall back on them. You, you, uh, when you're when you're sort of feeling down, you kind of let them. Uh, you, you massage their corners and, and imagine that day that uh, that you know most likely will never come when you're when you bring them into light. And, and the longer that you do it, the, obviously the pressure uh, builds up, uh, and, and it becomes even harder to do it. So yeah, I mean, the, you know, the show is the show in a way is is just trying to execute that constantly and there's certainly many many mornings where i i have zero idea what i'm going to do well you'd hardly know that from watching the show um and we'll talk more about the show when we come back we're going to have to take our last break i'd like to let everybody know that they're listening to design matters with debbie millman on voice america business i'm your host debbie millman and my guest today is the lovely zay frank we'll be right back with our broadcast after these messages so please don't go away Strengthening your financial goals. The leader in business talk radio. Voice America Business. Welcome back to Voices of Design. We're speaking with Marcelo Juman of Big Magazine. Marcelo, how do you come up with a theme idea for an issue? Oh, we come and say, wow, let's do a, an issue about this great. Yeah, I have a great feeling and, and put the right talent together. For a while we went to, to very real things. You know? Like doing all these cities around America, it was a real thing. And then we are working in a more conceptual issue, Big Air. Do you feel like you've achieved what you set out to do with the magazine? No, people really get inspired. You know, that's what we're looking for, you know. Every time you open, even every time I open a, a new big magazine, I say, wow, this looks great. This is a great idea. It's, it's different. It's inspiring. Just the most, for me, you know, if I don't get excited and inspired, what's the point? You've been listening to Voices of Design, brought to you by Adobe. For more information, visit adobe.com. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. We're back with Design Matters with Debbie Millman. If you have a question for Debbie, feel free to call us at 866-472-5790. Once again, here's the host of Design Matters, Debbie Millman. 
Welcome back. It is 3.49 Eastern Time, and you are listening to Design Matters with Debbie Millman on Voice America Business. I am your host, Debbie Millman, and my guest today is performance artist, composer, humorist, and designer, Zay Frank. We only have a few more minutes left in the show, so if you'd like to join our conversation, if you have a last-minute question for Zay, our phone lines are open. Please call 1-866-472-5790. And Zay, we talked a little bit before about George Bush when we were talking about your uh, motivation for writing the song Pump That Area and using the term. And in one of your other shows, you um, talk about what would happen if you were stuck in an elevator with George W. Bush for an hour. And I believe it's also in a song, although I'm not 100% sure of that. But if you were stuck in an elevator with George Bush for an hour, what would you say to him? Putting you on the spot politically. Yeah. Sorry about that. I... I, uh... I have really no idea. I think you know around the time that I wrote that, I, mean, I was definitely I was definitely sort of trying to figure that out. You know, I, I mean, I think that uh, I, I sort of I think I know that what I would do, and I, I probably would uh, you know do exactly the opposite of what, what I think I should do, and and it would be probably to try to quell the tension and try to figure out a, a way to kind of get to know the man in some way. Um, I, I you know it's it's. Uh, it's, uh, I mean, there's, I, I just don't, I just don't think that in an hour you could really get at very much. And I think, I think that one of the most interesting things for me would be to try to just even elicit some kind of, uh, a, a normal conversation. The, the trap in an elevator part is there, there's something interesting about this kind of helplessness of it, especially if you didn't know whether it was just an hour. I mean, it's the same kind of question, you know, you, you sort of, when you're, Flying in an airplane, sometimes you wonder, you know, if you if you crashed on a desert island, whether the business class passengers would automatically get to rule the world, or whether it would sort of vet itself out in a different way. Mm, um, I wonder if they've gotten to that on Lost. <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, That's a whole round of your ticket stubs. Exactly. Um, I you I read an article, of, I read an interview. Um, on, an in, in, on the site Industrial Brand, which is a site that I really like. Mark Busey writes it, and you stated that your passion lies in, in making things that a lot of people like. Um, can you elaborate on that? What, did you, what do you mean by making things that a lot of people like? Why, why do you feel that way as well? Well, that was, you know, that's, that's a, a fairly old interview now, and that's, that's really what, when I was uh, involved in ZayFrank.com, and I think that that was a sort of reaction to what I felt a lot of the design world was focused on, which was uh, a kind of a closed conversation. Um, so this, you know, the, the stuff that I was doing on uh, ZayFrank.com was, uh, had a little bit more pop sensibility. So I was, I was less interested in designing for design's sake, but more about trying to uh, make things that were very easily uh, approachable, that, that elicited a reaction in a lot of different kinds of uh, different kinds of folks, regardless of how much they knew about what they were looking at. Um, so I think, I mean, that, that that was sort of the main thrust there. Do you feel that that's not an accurate statement anymore? Do you feel like you care less no, about pleasing no, a lot of not. people? I mean, the, the show, for example, is in, in a way actually approaches uh, the challenge in exactly the opposite way uh, and, and really focuses on a very, very core group of people. Uh, you know, there's, we, there's, there's a, a very kind of closed kind of dialogue. I mean, it, it, it's not about design. It's, you know, in this case, what we're doing is we're, you know, we tell inside jokes about uh, 
you know the, the community that's formed around the show itself. So it's it, it is it's it's really you know a lot of these shows really can't take advantage of some of the syndication of distribution channels because they're so self-referential. Uh, because you know, I mean, they're they're very very time sensitive, and, and I'm talking about clicking things in the sidebar or referring to shows that happened a few days ago. Yeah. Do you, you have um, some wonderful episodes that have become almost mythic in their um, appreciation from your fans? Um, the the write my script episode. Um, some of the project episodes, the Earth Sandwich, the Ugly MySpace, when Office Supplies Attack. Of, of all of the um, scenarios that you've created both for yourself and for your fans, is there one in particular that you think is, is the best or the funniest or the most interesting to you? Oh no! No, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't place value like that. Uh, the illness you know, communication these, exaggeration. These projects curve. all existed in different points of the show, so there's almost no comparison. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by a whole bunch of them. That I think, uh, sort of recently, some of the things that have that have gone on. One is uh, there was. Uh, a project called the Human Baton uh, <laughs> that uh, you know the sports racers actually dreamed up with and executed on their own um, with you know only a little bit of uh, help on my part, uh, and that was where they sent um, one of the members of the audience across the country and back using only other um, uh, sports racers for lodging and travel. Right. So, and uh, that was incredible. Right now, they're in the process of making a music video for this uh, this song um, that was a remix of this this song that this guy Ray, Ray. Uh, Ray. created. So, yep. Um, why sports racers? Had it, what's the what is the uh, the beginnings of of that terminology for you? Sports racers racing sports. What is your power move? Okay, that's it. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> why not sports racers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 there's there's a, a, a bit more to know about it. This, I mean, it's a designation of the League of Awesomeness, and, right? Uh, falls under those statutes and regulations. And the League of Awesomeness has how many members now? Well, right now they're being a little standoffish with me. Oh, so I'm okay. not sure. I mean, things move fast there. So you're really creating the Zay Frank brand. How big do you hope to build it, Zay? Oh, um, I, uh, I I would love to have a, a you know a, a small theme park on one of the icebergs that has sort of broken off recently from Greenland. Um, <laughs> that's that's kind of the ultimate goal because I think you can actually uh, create your own uh, you know legal structure on those things. Yeah. Well, I know at least thirteen thousand people plus the uh, interviewer of the show that would follow you there. Um, I'd like to say thank you for being on Design Matters. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the broadcast. Um, so thank you so much for being here, Zay. I'd also like to give a very special thanks to our sponsor, Adobe. Big thanks as well to Brian Travis and Ruben Colomb at Voice America and Lisa Grant and Jen Simon at Sterling. Joining me next week on Design Matters are four of the most successful women working in magazines today. Joyce Redder-Kay, the editor-in-chief of Print. Michaela Abrams, the publisher of Dwell. 
Barbara DeWilde, the design director of Hess Beautiful, and Letitia Wolf, editor, editorial director of Surface. Thank you for listening, and please remember, we can talk about making a difference, we can make a difference, or we can do both. I am Debbie Millman, and I look forward to talking with you next week. Voice America Business would like to thank you for tuning in for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Be sure to listen every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for another exciting hour of Design Matters. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business.